Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36, read from the Common English Bible. About eight days after Jesus said these things, he took Peter, John, and James and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes flashed white like lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking with him. They were clothed with heavenly splendor and spoke about Jesus' departure, which he would achieve in Jerusalem. Peter and those with him were almost overcome by sleep, but they managed to stay awake and saw his glory, as well as the two men with him. As the two men were about to leave Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good that we're here. We could, should construct three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he didn't know what he was saying. Peter was still speaking when a cloud overshadowed them. As they entered the cloud, they were overcome with awe. Then a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Even as the voice spoke, Jesus was found alone. They were speechless, and at the time, no one told what they had seen. My name is Megan, and I'm the teaching pastor here at Trinity. I invite you to pray with me as we approach God's word this morning. God, you are always here ahead of us, but sometimes we aren't aware and alert to your presence. So we just take a moment right now to breathe deeply, to lay into your hands the things that are weighing on us, and to just know that you are here. Lord, speak to us through your word by the power of your spirit, so that it would live for us and we can live for you. Amen. So Jesus and his 12 apprentices are basically on a massive ministry tour. Uh, they paired off and they're going from village to village and they're, they're preaching every day and they're healing people and they're driving out evil spirits and they're working really hard and basically they're completely exhausted when, when one evening they get back together and Jesus announces, tomorrow I'm taking a break. I'm going away and Peter, James, and John, I want you guys to come with me. Now, when they wake up the next morning, um, Peter, James, and John are in a really good mood because first of all, this is the first day off they've had in forever. And second, they're super flattered because Jesus has asked for their company. So, so they begin this long kind of hike up, up through the mountains, and as the day starts on, they're kind of chattering about Judas's new sandals, like, where did he get those? And, you know, did you see how many people came out at our last rally? And over lunch, they have a speed-sitting contest, and it's really fun, and of course, Peter wins. And as the afternoon carries on, they start getting a little quieter, they're getting tired, and finally, they make it to the top of the mountain that they've been aiming for. And Jesus draws away, about 30 feet away. They're, they're standing at this mountain over the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus looks out over the ocean and he raises his hands in the traditional posture of prayer. And, and it's clear that Jesus is ready to pray. So the other three dis disciples, Jesus' apprentices, they, they kind of go over about 30 feet and, and they get ready to pray too. 
And, and they're, doing, they're doing the Jewish thing in prayer and they're standing there for a while. But you know, Jesus prays really long. And they've been walking all day and they're tired. So eventually they think maybe we'll just like sit down and pray from there. And they get their back settled against a warm rock and they're doing some good prayer time. But Jesus is still praying and, you know, they keep sliding further and further down the rock like some of you do in the pew on Sunday morning. And at some point, they didn't actually decide to do it, but they're laying down and pretty soon their eyes are getting heavy and they're just kind of drifting in and out of sleep. Now, meanwhile, Jesus is still standing there 30 feet away, and he's been praying earnestly for hours. What's going on with Jesus? Well, Jesus is keenly aware at this moment that he is about to die. That, that awareness that his death is coming soon, it, it's in the front of his mind. Um, just a few verses earlier in Luke chapter 9, Jesus told his disciples that he knows he's about to die. But you know, the disciples heard Jesus say this and thought to themselves, sometimes Jesus just gets, he has a bad day. You know, and he gets real pessimistic about his ministry. So the disciples did not take this conversation seriously at all. But, but Jesus knows, like he was dead serious. He knows this is coming. And so he's come away praying, looking for something, for maybe resolve to keep going, for, for courage, for some kind of sense that he's not alone in this. And Jesus prays a lot, so Jesus understands the things that all people of prayer learn eventually. Like the vast majority of the time, when you are a person of prayer, what you experience in prayer is not anything dramatic. Right? Like maybe what you take away is a sense of peace, or a sense of deep inner knowing, or some kind of new courage. Just like for most, most human beings, that's what happens to Jesus most of the time. But people who are really committed to the practice of prayer will also tell you, maybe just once in your entire life as a person of deep prayer, a moment may come when heaven just seems to crack open for a moment for you, and you touch something just clearly profoundly beyond yourself. It's happened to many of the great saints through history. For Jesus, it happens twice. Once at his baptism, and once today on this retreat. There's this story in the Old Testament about Moses. Moses who went up and got the Ten Commandments. When Moses would come into the presence of God, when Moses would go into prayer in, in the, the tent where the people worshipped, Moses would often come out glowing, his skin would just be radiating light because the glory of God, the presence of God, had just shed light on him. And what happens to Jesus in this moment is almost like Moses, but it's different because the light that Jesus starts glowing with isn't coming from outside him, being shed on him. It's coming up from within Jesus. He's glowing from the inside out. And Jesus gradually opens his eyes, and right in front of him, he sees these two figures standing there that he intuitively recognizes one is Moses, Israel's greatest leader, the giver of the law. The other is Elijah, Israel's greatest prophet and greatest miracle worker. And God has sent these two most famous figures from Israel's history to talk with Jesus about his death that's coming. It's sort of like one of those confabs of former presidents that you hear about. Like nobody else understands the weight you carry but other people who've been there. Right? So, so Jesus and Moses and Elijah are in conversation. 
So what results in this moment is this incredible portrait. Over here you have Jesus. He's glowing like lightning, and he's, ha- he's in the midst of what is like the religious version of the Justice League. And they have gathered to discuss the salvation of all humankind. And 30 feet away over here, you've got Jesus' three apprentices who are flat on their backs on the ground, drifting in and out of sleep. They would have literally missed the entire thing, except for Peter gets a rock in his back and rolls over and just happens to like see out underneath his eyelids just this little burst of light, and he kind of squints at it and is like, what is that? And then his eyes fly open and he goes, what the? James, John, get up! Now, before I finish the story, let me just pause and note something here. You might have noticed in the Gospels the disciples appear to have a bit of a sleeping problem. <laughs> this is not the only time that this comes up. Um, recall that not much longer after this, Jesus will ask the same three disciples to pray with him um, on the night before his death, and the same three disciples will be totally unconscious for most of this period. And Jesus appears to recognize well in advance of these incidents that this is an issue. Um, If you look at Mark chapter 13, Jesus actually tells his disciples this story about a landowner who goes away and leaves his servants in charge. And Jesus says, you guys, you're the servants. Don't get caught sleeping. You don't know when the landowner's going to get back. Stay awake. Stay alert. Don't sleep. Now, what we're dealing with here is not like a mass case of narcolepsy with the disciples, Um, Sleep in the Gospels is actually a metaphor for a bigger spiritual reality. And it's a reality that everybody is probably familiar with. We get busy, we get tired, we've walked a long ways, we've worked really hard, we're distracted, maybe we're a little bit comfortable, and we start dozing off. I mean, we start snoozing through life. Like, our our spiritual senses have kind of gone dead. We stop asking questions. We stop listening. We stop struggling. We stop praying. We stop attending to where God is. We're dozing. And when we're in that state, when, when we get to that kind of place of sleep, heaven could literally rip open 30 feet away from us, and we would not notice God showing up. Um, because we're, we're completely drifting, we're out of it. The biggest challenge in the spiritual life, I'm totally convinced, is not convincing God to show up and act in the world, it's making sure that we're awake enough to know it when God shows up and acts. And if the disciples are any indication, most of the time, we're not. Now, I don't know how many of you have taken like a really long car trip where you have to drive late at night, but you probably know, like, if you want to stay up all night, you have to have a strategy, I know some people that love to eat those um, seeds that they like spit out the husk of. It's so gross. My father loves doing this. <laughs> Get a bottle and just spit into it and somehow that keeps you awake. I know some people that love to sing musicals. Um, true confession, that the biggest, the biggest argument that Scott and I have ever had as your pastors was one night coming back from a church conference when Scott said, I'm sleepy, start a debate to keep me awake. <laughs> Famous last words. Let's just say I was really, really effective. <laughs> if you want to stay awake, you have to have a strategy. And Jesus is really clear, and he tells his disciples again and again, God is going to show up in the moment you least expect it. So my question to you this morning is, how alert are you right now? 
How awake are you, actually? And what would it take for you, if you know that you're dozing, what would it take for you to begin to sit back up? Well, back to the story. Jesus is still in conversation with Moses and Elijah, and the other three disciples are over here, and now they're whisper-arguing about who these other guys are who just showed up. And, and they hear Elijah say, you know, right before God showed up in that chariot to get me, and John elbows Peter and is like, I told you it was him. And they start inching closer as this cluster so they can hear better. And at that moment, the conversation ends, and Moses and Elijah turn around, and it's clear they're about to leave. And Peter blurts out, this is amazing. You know, it's so great that we're all here right now. You know what we should do? The three of us should be the, build the three of you some shrines right here, and then all of us should just hang out for a while. And Moses turns and looks at Peter with total exasperation, uh, but before Moses can get any response out, all of a sudden this thick fog just kind of drifts in out of nowhere and covers the entire mountain. In the space of a couple seconds, this fog is moving so fast they can barely see each other's forms. And in the midst of that fog, for the only time in their lives, Peter, James, and John suddenly hear the audible voice of God. The only time in their lives they hear God speak to them audibly. And what does God say? This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Listen to him. And that that fog of glory suddenly lifts. And wouldn't you know it, the heavenly glow is gone. There are no more ghostly apparitions of Moses and Elijah. There's no more like spiritual tingly senses. All there is is one very ordinary looking Jesus standing there alone. Now, almost everybody I know, anybody I've ever met, no matter how supposedly they re- religious they are, people love a good spiritual experience. Right, like maybe you've had one of these experiences in the midst of incredible like group singing. Maybe you're listening to a huge choir or you're at this huge conference and everybody's singing together. And you have this kind of profound, mystical, transformative moment where you just feel connected to everyone and everything. Or maybe you were out in nature and you were looking over this vista of mountains and you had this incredible, almost like out-of-body feeling of rapture. Or maybe you're one of these people who have a deep practice of prayer and at some time in life you had some kind of vision or experience where you heard something or you saw something completely outside of yourself. And when you have one of these experiences, like your body reacts, your heart pounds, your skin starts to tingle, and you feel like suddenly everything in the world that was blurry comes into focus. For a minute you can see totally clearly. And if you've ever had that experience, probably you've said to yourself basically the same thing Peter said. It is good to be here. This is the good stuff. This is the thing I've been waiting for. This moment, this changes everything. I see clearly from now on everything will be different. This is it. I mean, the problem is, I I would guess with almost 100% certainty, you turned out to be wrong. 
Like, what happens to Peter? Peter just heard the audible voice of God. Peter saw Jesus in this, like, burst of incredible clarity, who Jesus is, how God is working. But what happens just a few months later when Jesus is like, Peter, stay awake and pray with me? Peter is flat out asleep. And beyond that, what happens a few hours after that when they're standing in a courtyard and Jesus is under arrest and Peter is watching these guards standing around him and seeing the weapons and all of a sudden that like mountaintop clarity where he saw Jesus glowing and all things became clear, it feels far less clear and real than what his blood on these cobblestones is about to look like. Right, that, that vision starts to feel really, really hazy, and, and this, right here, this courtyard, this is the thing that's real. I mean, the, these kind of spiritual experiences, as powerful and as profound as they are, they have a way of kind of misting with memories so quickly that they have trouble holding up to the clarity and the urgency of our blood on the line. And this is why it's so important that when heaven speaks to Jesus' apprentices, heaven has one thing in particular to say. Listen to Jesus. Listen to him. I mean, 21st century people, we love spiritual experiences. I think humans always have. I've had some of these mountaintop moments where everything just felt so clear to me and I thought I would never doubt again. And every time I have one of these experiences, it's so tempting to like set up tent there. Like I want this to last forever. Whatever I did to get to this moment, I'm gonna do it over and over and over because I wanna be here. I wanna be feeling this. I wanna be experiencing this. 